0: another episode of den of utaku den of geeks official anime japanese pop culture discussion series where we're going to break down all of the latest developments in the industry i am daniel Curland, and in this episode of den of utaku we're going to talk about blurred lines what do i mean by blurred lines am i talking about the 2013 song I am not. What we're going to do is look at a bunch of different series. Netflix has two new shows, Pluto and Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, and they are blurring lines with new shows that are taking old properties and kind of remixing them in interesting new ways. We're also going to take a look at Flora and Fauna and how the lines have been blurred between these two things to become one and a new storytelling kind of structure that's really gaining a lot of prominence in anime. We're going to look at Attack on Titans series finale and how that has blurred lines with the shonen industry in general. And we've also got a little surprise gift, an interview with Adam MacArthur from Jujutsu Kaizen that is going to be in this episode as well. And if that all wasn't enough, we have new installments of The Big Three and Release the Hound. So if you ask me, that is a jam-packed episode that is an episode that is packed with jam so let's get into it guys okay first of all in this blurred lines discussion we're doing there's something very cool happening at netflix right now when they've taken two shows pluto and scott pilgrim takes off and despite how they're very different they're similar in the sense that they're shows that have taken old properties and taken the same characters themes universe but completely revamped them for modern audiences and turn them into new shows that kind of fit modern ideals in the case of pluto this is based on usamu Tazuka's Astro Boy. This is a classic series. It's like you've probably heard of Astro Boy. It's got a boy robot character in kind of one of the first mecha series. Really gained prominence in that area. What Pluto does though is it takes this childlike, friendly series and kind of gives it a Blade Runner makeover. It um, follows this android detective as he's following a series of murders that are happening to both humans and robots. And what's interesting about what Pluto's doing doing is this isn't the first time that Astro Boy has been given this adult makeover. There's a show called Adam the Beginning that essentially does the exact same thing but Adam the Beginning slipped through the cracks whereas Pluto is really one of the biggest anime of 2023. It's really found its audience and I think this is showing a bigger discussion on how audiences are kind of finally ready for modern reboots and reimagining of series that can take old ideas and do something genuinely new with them. Whereas in the past, this might have seemed sacrilegious to the property or just not doing it justice. And it's interesting, like, this is going on in anime right now. You have shows like, Osamatsu-san that are taking Osamatsu-kun and updating it in new ways, but there are also like a lot of horror movies right now that have taken child-friendly IP like Winnie the Pooh and The Grinch and made them adult stories. There's like how Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has now become Bel-Air, and it's this more adult imagining of this old idea, and it's interesting that anime is really getting in that ground floor and rebooting old ideas with new kind of factors and just trappings that are connecting with audiences in ways that they haven't before it's really exciting and on the opposite end of that spectrum is Scott Pilgrim takes off another new anime Scott Pilgrim started as a graphic novel series it then became a live action movie then it became a video game and it's really the perfect property to become an anime but what's interesting with it is that it's not just an anime remake of the books what it's doing is it's like in the same vein as pluto it's taking the same characters themes and universe but telling a totally different story like it, it kind of understands that scott pilgrim is a problematic protagonist and it makes ramona the main character now and what's cool about pluto and scott pilgrim takes off is that these are shows that will resonate with the original audience but you don't need any of that pre-existing knowledge to enjoy these shows they work for new crowds new audiences and that's really a cool thing that's going on in addition to scott pilgrim takes off What it's doing is kind of part of a larger trend as well with anime taking American TV shows or movies or cartoons and giving them an anime makeover. Like I said, this kind of makes sense with Scott Pilgrim, but there are anime versions of Highlander. There are anime versions of Wolverine, X-Men. There's Devil May Cry. There's an anime Terminator series coming out to Netflix. We have Star Wars Visions. These are all products that didn't begin as anime that are kind of succeeding after getting that makeover. There's an upcoming show called Suicide Squad Isekai that's taking Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad characters and putting them in anime, and that looks to be one of the more exciting shows of 2024. And whether that's Scott Pilgrim or these other shows, it's really kind of cool to see how anime is becoming this new home for Western IP. There's like a supernatural anime series that shouldn't exist at all. There's no reason for that. The movie Ultraviolet, that nobody remembers there's an anime for that and so properties that don't necessarily connect in their original form can kind of work as an anime and it's cool to see Pluto do that it's cool to see Scott Pilgrim takes off do that another topic we'd like to discuss in this blurred lines discussion is a new show on max right now called scavengers rain now to begin with Scavengers Reign is not an anime, I would not tell you it's an anime, but so why is it on Denavutaku Why are we talking about it here? Well, I think Scavengers Reign is really interesting because the thing that people are gravitating to the most on it is how this show takes nature and animals and insects and kind of combines them into one into this new Symbiotic relationship that is familiar with how the real world works, but is also very different and It's an interesting storytelling structure where flora becomes fauna and you're kind of just seeing a world evolve as as a stand in for a narrative and scavengers Reign, which is a show about a bunch of just Astronauts trying to get back home to survive to, get, to find their ship and find some normalcy again But what it is doing has been going on in anime for a long time like uh, Studio Ghibli films and Miyazaki movies Any of his films that are interested in nature like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and Princess Mononoke These are movies where we see new forms of nature and animals and insects that don't exist in our world but are the creation of these worlds because of evolving with mankind you know mankind is tainting nature they're making it more toxic and you have animals and creatures that kind of evolve out of that and help fix the world it's really cool to see that go on in studio ghibli movies there's another series called made in abyss that kind of dresses itself up as this cute adventure show where adventurers go down this big abyss and each level of this abyss is more cursed than the last it really gets more mature the deeper this show goes on and in that show you have characters who are losing their humanity as they get transformed into monsters and other abnormal creations but they all help serve the world and show that you need the good and the bad to kind of make sense of all of this um space dandy is another show we've talked about before but in that there's characters just going to new planets and each planet truly feels foreign in terms of its animals and nature and how these work together to kind of create something that we've never seen before It's really beautiful in those shows, but there are also programs called uh, Terraformers. Terraformers shows the more gross side of this kind of phenomenon. That's a show where a bunch of scientists want to colonize Mars. So they send a bunch of algae and cockroaches to Mars. They go back 500 years later hoping that Mars will be colonized, but instead these cockroaches have kind of evolved into humanoid people. And there's a war against these cockroaches but also an understanding that we are destined to become these cockroaches they all kind of have their own superhuman powers in a way that speaks to how they are the next step in evolution and that even though it might not be pretty it's kind of where the world is headed in these shows so Scavenger's Reign really scratches that itch but if you're still interested in more shows that get into that type of storytelling anime has been doing it for so long and there's a lot more to check out in that regard whether it's made in abyss whether it's nausicaa the valley of the wind or terraformers they're such fun complementary pieces to scavenger's Rain. and if you like those anime check out scavenger's Rain too because even though it's not an anime it's very much built from the same foundation now Another way that we'd like to look at blurred lines in this episode is a discussion of Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan is an anime you've probably heard about before. It's one of the biggest anime of the decade. In fact, it's one of the biggest anime of all time. And there's a lot of anime that hit the ground running and are really popular, but can't stick the landing or they peter out over time. And Attack on Titan is such a exciting exception to that rule that it begins as this kind of more intimate man against monster story, but it is one of my favorite examples of just long form storytelling, foreshadowing, and how to like expand a world in really unique and believable ways. Like there are so many twists in this show that happen at the exact right moments, and it seems like each twist should make the next one seem a little more generic, but that's never the case with Attack on Titan. The show's final season is kind of more controversial since it broadens the world in such a way that you're seeing characters who used to be enemies and now have a new understanding, and it blurs the lines between who is good and who is bad in this world. And the most fascinating thing about this is its final episodes really push this narrative with the protagonist, Aaron Yeager and really blur the lines between what a shounen protagonist is, should be, and can be. I think a lot of the time in anime we just trust that the hero is doing the right thing and Attack on Titan really has both the audience and the supporting characters begin to question if Eren is justified in his actions, if what he's doing is just a means to an end and that it is going to get somewhere positive, but the show really... Challenges the audience that way and shows that a shonen protagonist doesn't have to be clear-cut that they can be someone that really makes you Uncomfortable attack on Titan isn't the first show to do this There are other anime like like Code Geass that gets in similar territory But attack on Titan I think is the most accomplished example of that and the anime is finally over So if for whatever reason you haven't checked out the show There's never been a better time to do it because it's all available You don't have to wait years between seasons to get closure. It's all there if you're someone that needs to watch a dub for a show it is one of the best dubs you'll come across and 99 of the series has been dubbed too so that is all available and so if you're just looking for an exciting shonen show that's kind of earned its reputation attack on titan is the way to go and also just is hopefully pushing the shonen genre to new exciting places with how a hero functions and operates here at Den of Utaku, we love gifts, whether that's getting gifts or giving gifts, but there are just so many different places to get anime gifts that it can be a little overwhelming, to be honest. But I found that eBay is a great place to find some of the newest and kind of classical old retro anime gifts too so just some of the cool things that I'd like to share that I found on eBay the first of which is Funko Pop is really one of the best names in the game right now when it comes to anime figures Funko Pop has this Warhammer Titan from Attack on Titan that is such a cool little fun guy the Titans are terrifying creatures in this show the Warhammer Titan is one of like the more horrific ones it looks like a Junji Ito or like Clive Barker creation and this just like distills that monster down to like a cute little Funko form and if Titan has been too scary for you Funko Pop is the way to do it. The Warhammer Titan by Funko Pop is very exciting. Another product that is a fun way to take something serious and give it like a cute, cuddly look is Chainsaw Man is one of the most aggressive shows of the year, but it has this mascot, Pochita, who's this little chainsaw dog who's just adorable. It would be ridiculous to not make merch out of this character, so it's exciting that there is so much to buy. There's a Pochita plushie that if you just want to cuddle up in bed with a chainsaw dog and hug it, this is the best way to do that and it's a great gift for someone who's seen chainsaw man or has no idea what chainsaw man is it's just like this odd entity and the last thing i'd like to push is something that i have myself that i found on ebay i think it's so cool we we're talking about attack on titan before with the warhammer funko pop this is uh from parade they're a uh, A specific action figure company, and this is like a Levi Ackerman exclusive. Levi Ackerman isn't the main character of Attack on Titan, but he's kind of the fan favorite. There are statues of Levi in Japan. He's such a big deal. This really kind of distills the character down to his serious core. There's like a variant jacket and expression on his face that shows that he's contemplating the casualties of war and what it means to be a tortured anime character, and it's just like a um, if, if you like figures, if you like Attack on Titan, the Parade figure is just a cool way to go. I found it on eBay. And yeah, it's got a lot of stuff, whether it's something you're looking for or just something you stumble upon, it's a great place to find that gift for your anime fan in your life. We at Denavutaku are going to keep the gift train going, and I have a very special gift for you guys. How do I know what you want? You didn't tell me? Well, I have a hunch, guys. We're gonna figure this out. What we have is a little special conversation with Adam MacArthur. He's a prolific voice actor, but most notably, he voices Yuji Itadori, the protagonist in Jujutsu Kaisen.
1: Yes, I crushed it. Uh,
0: I already told you that I don't have it anymore. Don't end up like me, huh? Well, no chance of that. We're big fans of Jujutsu Kaisen here, we talked about it in the other episodes, but Adam took some time to talk to us about the arc of his character, the interesting evolution of the series in its second season, and just the state of the anime industry in general. It was a really cool talk, and if you like Jujutsu Kaisen or not, it's just a really interesting conversation about the anime industry. So... Adam, let's take it away. Then Butaku would like to welcome Adam MacArthur to the show. He's an excellent voice actor who can be heard in Tokyo Revengers, Bungo Stray Dogs, and Jujutsu Kaisen. And uh, Adam, welcome. Thanks thank thank so much, dear. <laughs> thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. And... Um, I've, I've loved Jujutsu Kaisen from the start and I think it does such a great job with like world building and character development but the second season kind of blew me away with just how much bigger it feels and how the scope has really been expanded. How would you kind of necessarily compare the second season to the first?
1: It's exactly what you said. It is a total expansion on what we got in the first season and I totally agree. The first season felt... Um, really about the introduction of the characters and we kind of get into like a good rhythm with the story, um, but it really expands on there and all of the knowledge that you got in um, season one, you really need to take into season two mm-hmm. to remember because the story jumps um, place to place and we're building off these ideas of like the cursed spirits, the cursed techniques, the domain expansions. There, I always say Jujutsu Kaisen's a big brain show. Like you gotta (laughs) have a notepad when you watch it because there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. So
0: That's what I love so much about the second season and just how it felt like it was turning into a different kind of show. And I love that even the prequel movie like focuses on different characters, the whole hidden inventory prologue to the second season all of this gets away from your character and as someone who's also just a fan of the show, was it kind of fun to watch these stories that got away from Yuji a little bit?
1: Totally. Um, I mean, I was like mad I wasn't in the movie <laughs> but like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I still think actually at that they missed a golden opportunity. You know, at the end of uh, the episodes in season one, we had the Juju Strolls mm-hmm. or the Juju Strolls, um, and they were the, these little quirky things that happened at the end of the season. I really wish there was a Juju Stroll at the end of the movie. That was just Yuji, Megami and Nobara coming in and being like, "What do you mean we're not in the movie?" Because they break the fourth wall all the time. Thought yeah. that would have been hilarious. Um, no, I think it's really interesting. What I what I love is when an author gives the audience credit. Um, That they don't feel like they have to lay everything out right away. That stuff is paid off later on that you're supposed to remember. Um, And I think Gege, the author of Jujutsu Kaisen, is doing an amazing job. Um, And to Mappa's credit, the studio that's um, developing it and um, doing it as the anime, I also think they're doing an amazing job adapting the, the, the manga. So it's really cool. It's been awesome. I think if... You are keeping up with the weekly releases of the manga. We're also um, coming out of like a very centri- uh, Gojo-centric time. So it's been a lot of Gojo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really ready for like Yuji to get back in there. Um, but it's also, like I said, it's a really cool thing that we're sort of taking these like offshoots and then we're going to see it all get tied together.
0: Yeah, and it, I think it makes the audience that much more grateful for those original characters when you spend some time away from them. And I mean inevitably you have those threads connect and it will be so exciting if you know yuji does meet yuda from the movie and just have all that stuff come together like yeah. that's the best way to tell that story. yeah yeah. I
1: think. yeah no it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool yeah
0: um The series as well is like one of the Shonen Jump's Dark Trio series and those are like three very popular shows that are also very mature and violent and why do you think necessarily that that kind of heavier material is having such a moment right now or why the show became such a hit right away?
1: Yeah, I think for JJK specifically, the, the characters are all... There's something for everybody in JJK. And I also think that what's interesting about Yuji specifically is he's not so heavily focused on himself and the progression of, like, his own motives mm-hmm. that really he's doing this because he wants to take care of people and make sure everyone's okay. Um, I think there's, like, a, a golden retriever quality to him that people really kind of have re- can relate to but also, like, really are drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is something for everyone in JJK, and with anime in general, I think we get these like life lessons that everyone can relate to in some form or the other. Um, I just think JJK is doing it really well. Yeah. So
0: I agree. Um, they also just announced a video game for the series, mm-hmm. Cursed Clash. Yeah. Like that has that been a fun experience to be a part of? Are you a big gamer? Yourself? Super fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've played video games forever. Um, I mean nintendo through my my series x now um i'm more a battle royale guy like i mm-hmm. love apex legends but um yeah uh working with bandai was amazing um the experience of working on curse clash was really cool was sort of different than even though we we basically had to like redo season one but in video game form sure which is interesting because one of the other things i love about jjk is you get these really like subtle grounded moments in the anime. So it's not necessarily all like super anime acting, you know, you get some moments where it feels like two people real people are talking to each other. Um but for a video game, you don't really want that. <laughs> so they uh they released a trailer recently and it's basically clips of all the lines, but all the lines are said in like vi- in a video game. So you know, you don't want someone going like Black Flash in a video game, it'll be buried under sound effects, you'll never hear it. Sorry, but I didn't come here to lose. as as I'm here we've got this I'm putting it all out there it's it was interesting working and seeing sort of the direction and how lines were directed in the video game versus the anime and things like that um but I think the game looks beautiful Mm -hmm. and uh I've never really played one of the arena fighter games so it'll be cool to to check it out. I missed the, Fortnite just did a collab with Jujutsu Kaiser. That's right, yeah, yeah. I missed the collab. Like, I, I don't I don't really play Fortnite, but I was like, I gotta get on there and get the Yuji skin. Yeah. But I missed it. I missed it. I, I didn't get it. So I've gotta make sure that I play yeah. Curse Clash.
0: It's such a perfect property for a video game. And it's just exciting that anime video games have come so far that you do get a dub for it now and all that rather totally. than back in the day where it could kind of be gate kept or not even leave Japan yeah. sometimes.
1: Yeah, no it was uh, I was surprised that when Bandai announced it that they used the dub right for the trailer, which was really cool. So
0: yeah. You talked about, like, the different performances for in, like, a video game or some of the more muted moments in the show. And, like, you are involved with a lot of action-heavy series, but I loved your performances in, like, Sing a Bit of Harmony and Goodbye, Don Gleese. Oh, thank you. And, like, these very subdued, kind of more slice-of-life films. Is it fun to kind of be involved with that change of pace and do that kind of work? Because I imagine it's a very different animal than like a battle show.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I think just like as a fan of media in general, like different things in general, it's fun to get to mix it up. And especially like it's all the same technique wise in terms mm-hmm. of like what I'm doing technically from an acting standpoint, but it's unique in um, just like the muscles I'm getting to flex, I guess, as mm-hmm. an actor. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's also really fun working with different directors different studios and things like that. So, uh, yeah, projects like Goodbye Don't Glees were really fun. Um, yeah, I, I just was in a um, – oh, crap, what's it called? <laughs> it's a basketball oh, movie. The, the first, first slam, slam dunk. dunk. I was, I yes. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, the first slam dunk, which was also, um, I, I that was my first sports anime. I
0: was going to say, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I uh, I am not necessarily like a big sports anime guy. Like, I haven't watched a ton of sports anime. And I went and saw this movie, and I was like, holy crap. Like, how could you not watch that and be hyped? Like, it, mm-hmm. was, it was a really, really, really good movie. So, that was a lot of fun, too.
0: Yeah. I wasn't aware of that franchise's reputation before I saw that movie and was kind of blown away at just how long it's been going on and just the, like the success it has is a basketball totally. show it's yeah. great and it looks beautiful like it truly it looks like real people yeah being like rotoscoped
1: yeah the the uh the use of like different animation styles in that movie was really
0: really cool yeah no i love it there's been such like interesting changes in jjk's manga and anime since the last time you were at new york comic-con as well and like some huge things have been going on in the manga right now yeah are you excited to interact with fans and kind of talk about those developments and just see how they've been taking it oh all? yeah
1: oh yeah like like what's really cool about our cast is a we're we're well studied so we we're caught up on the manga we're we're reading it regularly um we care a lot so we definitely like to chat with the fans there's a million theories right now mm. about where things are headed What's up with Yuji? Like, what's going on? So it's a yes, we love, I love personally talking to the fans and hearing different theories. It's rare these days to get to hear something that I haven't heard yet. Mm But you never know. That one person's going to be like, what about this? And I'm going to be like, oh my God, New Year Comic Con. That's when I found out, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, there are a lot of really, really, really smart people who Mm -hmm. like anime. And it's,
0: it's real, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. You mentioned that big brain mentality, but like there is such a hive mind of like the reddits and stuff of how people put clues together and really like,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally like, uh, some like unsolved mysteries level investigative (laughs)
0: journalism going on. Yeah, it's cool. Do you... Because I know some different directors will sometimes be against having their actors read the manga ahead of time to know what's going on with their characters. Do you think that's helpful? Like, have you done both of those?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, so... So for shows like JJK, um, where I'm like a pretty integral part of the series, um, for me, I if someone told me not to read the manga, I would do it anyway, just because like I think that's
0: dumb. <laughs> sure, I mean you're yeah. you're a fan too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and not even because I'm a fan. Like I think that there is something to being able to see where something's going as an actor and realize that maybe like the the point of a scene earlier is to have the audience feel this way after Mm -hmm. it and if you don't know the whole story you might not realize that until later on and then you'd be like oh I wish I could go back and do that thing so I like to have an idea of where things are, are going and where things you know the so I can go back and see the point of things right. to maybe add in some extra like layer or nuance to a scene you know there's a lot of stuff where we see Yuji really happy and later on you might be like oh shoot mm. like that's why that line was delivered like that stuff so, so to me it's really important to do that now with that said the nature of the industry is like, sometimes I get a call at like 9 PM the night before I'm supposed to be in the studio tomorrow morning at 9 AM. And they're like, you're going to be on, I'm not on one piece, but for example, you're going to be on one piece. Like I couldn't then sit and watch one piece to get caught up or read the manga to see where, you know, to see where it's at. So what I love about animation, um, whether it's dubbing or prelay is there's a lot of collaboration. Like you're not in there in that booth by yourself. You're working with a, a good, you know, team and stuff. So you, Like in those instances where I can't get caught up, I'm relying heavily on the director to add context, to fill in the blanks because they're the ones who are really supposed to know Mm -hmm. everything. But yeah, so it kind of depends. But for JJK specifically, I like to make sure that I'm I'm caught up and know what's going on.
0: And I mean, it would be kind of brutal. Like obviously the fans you're talking to are so caught up that for them to casually refer to something that you might not know yourself You'd be like, what are you spoiling this yeah, yeah, yeah. for? You know. Yeah.
1: Well, um, word on the street is Bryce Pappenbrook is not caught up on AOT. Like That's, he he wanted to make sure that he right, could well, like it, do it from a fresh, uh-huh. fresh set of eyes, um, which that, it, that obviously it's working. Bryce is killing it. Yeah. Um, but I know that he's had to like. <laughs> really avoid spoilers like yeah. the, the man's jumping around and sure yeah yeah so.
0: that's so funny just those different approaches yeah um do you have like any favorite moments from the second season so far like stuff that's happened not spoilers obviously that just have stood out to you um
1: yeah uh, i mean the whole hidden inventory arc was amazing um like seeing all like the gojo geto relationship and all that stuff and just the betrayal and then work right where that leads into in the Shibuya arc. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, without spoiling anything that's coming and only referring to stuff that's coming out, like the, the, the pain that we feel when Gojo is, I guess, trapped in this box, right? When he sees Geto and then they, they have that moment where he's like, wait, he looks like him, but I can feel it in my heart and soul that it's not him. And all that stuff has just been, has been amazing. So yeah. yeah, And I, uh, Where we're going is, I keep saying JJK, like I'm totally on the JJK hype train. Like as a fan, I'm totally on the JJK hype train. It's hard because I don't want to overhype things because when things get overhyped, you can be let down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that uh, the season two of Jujutsu Kaisen has a lot of potential to be like one of the greatest season twos that we've seen from a modern anime. Um, So I'm very, I'm very excited. And where we're going in Shibuya is also really cool so yeah it's, no like, yeah, utter devastation is like what. yeah the,
0: the first season i just thought was like this is a great shonen show but this season has really like elevated it i think and it feels different and it feels special the animation is gorgeous like mappa is, has so much on their plate that it's wild that each of their projects can still look i'm like that good
1: how many people work there yeah yeah do you guys sleep uh-huh do you eat, eat food But you have those (laughs) iconic moments from the
0: the manga that really look even better sometimes in the show. Like, it's really incredible.
1: Yeah, totally. The the episode we just got where um, Gojo basically uh, explodes Hanami Mm -hmm. against the wall was, uh, I mean, that was so cool. Yeah, that was so so cool. cool. (laughs) Yeah, how could you not like Gojo? That was so cool. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you so much, Adam. Uh, Once again, Den of Otaku talking to Adam MacArthur here. And yeah.
1: Thank you. Dude, thank you so much, man. Of course. Appreciate it.
0: Denibutaku would once again just like to thank Adam MacArthur for taking the time to talk to us. He was such a good sport. We love him. We love Jujutsu Kaisen. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him again on Denibutaku. And, hmm, do you hear that, audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it sounds like that's the next installment of Release the How. Release the Hounds, for those of you that don't know, is it's our segment on physical media. Remember, physical media before the algorithm, before streaming, before David Zaslav. What we want to do is anime still celebrates physical media in a really exciting way. Sometimes the only way you can watch a particular anime is on physical media because it's not conventionally streaming somewhere. So in each of these segments, we're going to highlight a few upcoming physical media releases that are worth your time. The first product we have here is Dragon Ball Super Super Hero, which is now available on 4K, UHD, and a Steelbook edition. Dragon Ball is one of the biggest anime of all time. You've probably heard of it. And Dragon Ball Super Super Hero is the newest movie in the series, but what's so exciting about it is that it benches the anime's main characters, Goku and Vegeta, who typically steal the spotlight, in favor of Gohan and Piccolo, who are fan-favorite figures that have really kind of needed a rehabilitation for a long time. And this film gives them what they need. There is some new transformation for these characters. And it feels like a really, like, return to form for the series that goes back to the energy of the original Dragon Ball. Not even Dragon Ball Z, but the original Dragon Ball. So that is now available. It's never looked better in this 4K edition. And it's just one of the more fun Dragon Ball stories. It's, It's definitely worth checking out. Another product we'd like to highlight on release, The Hounds, is Carol in Tuesday Premium Edition on Blu-ray. This is the complete series. Carol in Tuesday comes from Shinichiro Watanabe, who is perhaps best known for Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, Space Dandy. He has a real reputation for sci-fi series, and admittedly, Carol in Tuesday is a future show set on Mars, but it really tones down the sci-fi elements and is instead about two girls from different backgrounds who just want to sing music together. Some of the best anime you'll ever see are shows that are focused on making music, about bands, about the camaraderie that comes through that union, and Carolyn Tuesday really beautifully highlights the musical process and how characters who maybe don't have a sense of belonging in the world can come into their own when they start playing music so much of this show just like shows carol and tuesday busking on the streets and just really doing beautiful craft that's not about getting famous that's not about making money off of music but just celebrating that art form and this is the best way to see the show it has some really fun special features carol and tuesday premium edition on blu-ray and finally, we'd also like to celebrate My Hero Academia, Season 6, Part 1. This is the first 13 episodes of Season 6, My Hero Academia. It's one of the biggest anime of this generation. And a lot of people, myself included, thought it was a little too kiddie-oriented when it started. It is very younger-based when it begins with its school setting and those kind of elements. But each season has grown progressively more mature. and. By the time season six comes around, it is a very dark show. Season six, again, keeping with the blurred lines theme, it explores society beginning to distrust heroes a little bit. It kind of analyzes what makes a hero, what makes a villain, and where the two meet in the middle. It focuses on the paranormal liberation war that's going on, which has some of the best action in the show from both the heroes and the villains. And the show has never looked better. Like Studio Bones perhaps doesn't get enough credit for the work they do on my hero academia season 6 is gorgeous though Deku has never had more powers and they all get brought to life in really beautiful visual ways and yeah it's just if you're excited for the new season coming out then this is the best way to get caught up so once again for release the hounds we have Dragon Ball Super superhero on 4k UHD and Steelbook we have Carolyn Tuesday uh, premium edition blu-ray And we also have My Hero Academia season six, part one on Blu-ray. And if I'm not mistaken, I do think that is the sound of one more segment coming. Yes, that is the sound of the big three. What we do in the big three is we kind of take a look at three shows in the anime industry that are doing something different and worthy of attention. There's so much out there in the anime industry that it's easy for shows to slip through the cracks or to not get their due. In the big three, we're gonna highlight stuff that is worth your time. So the first show we'd like to highlight in the big three is Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. This is a really interesting show that kind of subverts fantasy genre ideals i'm not a huge fan of fantasy anime it is difficult for me to kind of connect with those stories sometimes and free Ran is a fascinating anomaly because it begins when most series would actually end what it does is it starts with a party of heroes that you'd see like in an rpg kind of thing they defeat the demon king and find peace but that's really just the start of everything free Wren is an elf she lives for hundreds of years and never gets really older in a physical sense and the show explores her malaise after all the people that she's known and done adventures with get older and die and it kind of leaves her wondering where she fits in in the world what is important to do in the world and it is a really fascinating character 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 study that plays upon fantasy elements, but isn't necessarily doing what other fantasy shows are free ran gets an apprentice and she kind of shows her the ways of the world too and it's just such a unique approach to what is possible in fantasy. The first four episodes aired together as kind of like a four episode block and it felt very cinematic in nature. It's telling such a big story decades past between episodes and it jumps all over the place just because Free Ren is essentially immortal and so it really shows the passage of time and legacy and all these fun ideas in a way that i haven't seen before so free run beyond journeys end another really exciting shonen show that's making waves right now is called undead Unluck. this is a show about a very unlucky girl and a very undead guy and what's interesting about this show is mostly its power system Shonen series often get boiled down to their power system and what Undead Unluck does is it works through negation. You have these characters called negators and they're all un-something. They're either undead, unlucky, unforgivable, unstoppable. And what this means is that their negation kind of cancels out tenants that exist in the world. So a lot of the time in a power system, you'll see somebody who gains strength, but in this show, it's power that takes. Takes away from other things it's power through absence and that's a really interesting idea that the show is still playing around with but it has already made it stand out in ways that other shonen shows haven't so if you like the shonen genre and want to see something different undead Unluck is still early on in its first season it's produced by david productions so it looks gorgeous and there's just such fun energy between the two main characters that if you don't want action there's still a lot of comedy in there too to keep you Checking things out. And the final show for the big three we'd like to look at is Onimusha. Onimusha is a samurai swordsman show on Netflix. We've talked a lot about Netflix in this episode and how they've ended 2023 on a super strong note when it comes to anime. But what makes Onimusha an interesting series that stands out is that it's directed by takashi Mike. takashi Mike is perhaps best known for ichi the killer um audition he's a really graphic live action horror director and this is his first anime a lot of the time you'll see a otour kind of work on an animated series and it's unclear how much of their voice is actually coming through in the show Onimusha distinctly feels like a Takashi Miike ve- vehicle like it's incredibly violent But there's also shots that like are from a raindrops perspective as it falls on a sword and things that would be Impossible to convey in live action It almost feels like when Spielberg directed the Tintin movie and you have all this wild Camera work that can't be done in real life, but has that freedom and animation Anamusha is doing that same type of thing, too, so there's a lot of samurai anime to watch, but this one does feel different based on its choreography and how it has that miike touch. So, Onimusha, yeah, check it out if you need a new samurai show or just something that is really visually distinct as far as anime goes. So, once again, for this episode's big three, we have Free Ren, Beyond Journey's End, Undead Unluck, and Animusha. Now, unfortunately, fellow otaku, that's all the time we have in this episode before I get isekai would back to reality, but we'd once again like to thank you for joining us on this adventure, and until next time, space cowboys, we'll see you then.